0: You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media. Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. Welcome back to the Telltale Podcast. Thank you guys for coming. Today we have some pretty interesting subjects. To start off, we're going to be talking about the grand jury investigators Uh, investigating Jehovah's Witnesses. Then we're going to be talking about electing a gay president Of course, many people know Mayor Pete is gay and running for president. So we're going to be talking about the Christian reaction to that fact. And finally, we're going to be talking about the Ten Commandments monument being put up near a courthouse, but not on their property. But before we get into all of that, why don't we take a listen to some voicemails and see what people had to say. Hey, this is Owen. If you're comfortable, leave your first name and state at the sound of the tiny truck backing up
1: hi this is tara i am wondering if you have ever looked into the cult called the people of praise Um, i know of someone who came from that organization they call themselves a parachurch, church based out of indiana um, with other groups in minnesota and some other places as well Uh, it's hard to find a lot of information about them online, wondering if you had any insight as to this group and maybe if you would classify it as a cult and what you know about it. Thanks a lot. Bye.
0: So that's a good question. I appreciate the phone call. Um, I don't think I had ever heard of this group before, so I ended up looking into it a little bit. So I figured what we would do is just take a look at their website real quick. This is peopleofpraise.org. This is the website. Uh, of the group that you were referencing. So let's just read it and see what it has to say about who we are. People of Praise is a charismatic Christian community. Charismatic Christian community. Kind of weird for them to call themselves charismatic. Usually, charismatic is kind of a... it, It can be a derogatory term that is targeted toward cults. I mean, cults typically have charismatic leaders. That's how they get to the top is their charisma. So it's weird that they're identifying themselves as charismatic. Anyway, let's not get hung up on the details. Let's continue reading. People of Praise is a charismatic Christian community. We admire the first Christians who were led by the Holy Spirit to form a community. Those early believers put their lives and their possessions in common and there were no needy persons among them. So it sounds like what they're doing here is they're kind of advocating for like a communist type of system. Jesus desires unity for all people. We live out this unity the best we can in spite of the divisions within Christianity. We are Roman Catholics, Lutherans, Episcopalians, Methodists, Pentecostals, Presbyterians, and other denominational and non-denominational Christians. Despite our differences, we are bound together by our Christian baptism. Despite our differences, we worship together. While remaining faithful members of our own churches, we have found a way to live our daily lives together. Interesting. So it sounds like a a commune. That's what it sounds like. It sounds like a commune. Our community life is characterized by deep and lasting friendships. We share our lives together often in small groups and in larger prayer meetings. We read scripture together. We share meals together. We attend each other's baptisms and weddings and funerals. We support each other financially and materially and spiritually. We strive to live our daily lives in our families, workplaces, and cities in harmony with God and with all people. Very weird. I, I, I don't, I'm I not really sure what to make of this, honestly, yet. I feel like I need to have more information about it, but it, it does seem really... Uh, It's raising some red flags for me, and it's fascinating. I may need to cover this in more detail at some point in the future, so thank you for bringing that to my attention.
1: Hey, this is Isaac. I'm from Florida. I just wanted to call because I recently went on a medical mission to Jamaica, and what I noticed was there was an insane amount of Jehovah's Witness churches around. Uh, Like They even outnumbered than non-Jehovah's Witness churches, like Catholics, Episcopalians, all all of those churches were like, the ratio was like five Jehovah's Witness churches to like two of non-Jehovah's Witness churches. And I thought that was really peculiar. I didn't notice that the previous years I'd gone, and I thought it was interesting. I'm wondering if you knew anything about that. Uh, anyway, if you can look that up, that would be pretty great. Anyway, that's it.
0: Yeah, appreciate the phone call on that. Out of curiosity, I ended up looking up some statistics on Jehovah's Witnesses. So a lot of you guys probably heard of Pew Research Center. I talk about them from time to time. Uh, Really fascinating uh, website, really fascinating resource. So they do polling on various denominations, various demographics, various different groups of people. And they did a jehovah's witness religious landscape study so jamaica is not covered in this i can't speak to why it seems that there are more jehovah's witnesses in jamaica than in most other countries or most other provinces or states or whatever else but i thought this could be an interesting thing to take a look at uh, regardless so let me just start at the very top demographic information Age distribution among Jehovah's Witnesses. Percents of Jehovah's Witnesses who are ages 18 to 29. Okay, so they do these every seven years, I believe. 2007, 21% of Jehovah's Witnesses were 18 to 29 years old. In 2014, it was 15% of the population was 18 to 29 years old. And I think they're doing another one in 2021. So next year, they'll be doing one. Then we've got uh, ages 30 to 49. In 2007, 39% of Jehovah's Witnesses were aged 30 to 49. And then in 2014, uh, 34% were 30 to 49 years old. So the trends that I'm seeing here is, as time goes on, 2007 to 2014, it looks like the population is aging. They're getting older. And they're not really filling in those age ranges with new members. That's what it seems like to me. Generational cohort among Jehovah's Witnesses. Percent of Jehovah's Witnesses who are younger millennial, older millennial, generation X, baby boomer, silent generation, greatest generation. Uh, So in 2007, younger millennials made up less than 1%. In 2014, younger millennial made up 10%. 2007, older millennial made up 16%, and then 2014, older millennial made up 10%. Interestingly enough, gender composition among Jehovah's Witnesses. In 2007, men were 40% of the religion, women were 60%. In 2014, men were 35%, women were 65%. Racial and ethnic composition among Jehovah's Witnesses. Now, this one's particularly interesting to me because when I was Jehovah's Witness, when I was growing up as a Jehovah's Witness, they were all very serious about uh, how we were all God's children and we should all love each other equally and racism is absolutely ridiculous and and all that other stuff. Really a good message, surprisingly. Um, They really wanted to draw the lines between insiders versus outsiders rather than... You know blacks versus whites or whatever so the f- the fact that these numbers are what they are doesn't really surprise me at all. in two thousand seven forty eight percent of the Jehovah's witness population was white twenty two percent was black, less than one percent was asian twenty four percent was latino. It says five uh, percent was other or mixed and in twenty fourteen was white, as opposed to the 48% who was white before. So the religion seems to be becoming more diverse. So 36% white in 2014, down from 48% in in 2007. 27% in 2014 were black, which is up from 22% in 2007. And then we've got 32% uh, Latino, in 2014, which is up from 24% in 2007. So very interesting statistics. Immigrant status among Jehovah's Witnesses. 2007, 16% were immigrants. In 2014, 25% were immigrants. 2007, 75% were third generation or higher. And in 2014, 67% were third generation or higher. Now we're getting into income distribution, which is a really interesting subject for me. Because naturally, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses kind of are largely opposed to higher education. So now we're getting into income distribution and educational distribution among Jehovah's Witnesses. Income distribution in 2007, less than $30,000 a year, 42% of Jehovah's Witnesses made less than 30000 a year in 2007, 48% in 2014 made less than 30 grand a year. So a higher percentage of Jehovah's Witnesses in 2014 make less money than the rest. So 30,000 to 50,000 in 2007, 23% made that much. In 2014, 25% made that much money. So in 2007, 26% made 50,000 to $100,000 a year. In 2014, that number fell to 22%. In 2007, 9% of Jehovah's Witnesses made over $100,000 a year. In 2014, 4% made more than that. So the numbers seem to be moving toward poverty as time goes on, which does not surprise me at all. Interestingly enough, 2007 is about the year that I left the religion. So all the changes that they're making right now in the religion since I've left it are leaving them in a worse state than they were before. Educational distribution among Jehovah's Witnesses. In 2014, I guess they didn't track this in 2007. uh, 63% had high school or less. 25% had some college. 9% had a college degree. And 3% had a postgraduate degree. 3%. That is amazing. Now, this one is even more interesting to me. Marital status among Jehovah's Witnesses. 2007, 53% of Jehovah's Witnesses were married and it stayed the same in 2014. In 2007, 1% were living with a partner, which is a disfellowshipping offense. You are no longer a Jehovah's Witness if you are doing that. I'm amazed they even admitted to that. And then in 2014, 5% said they were living with a partner. That's that's amazing. I can't even believe they admitted to it. Divorced or separated, 14% in 2007, 12% in 2014. 11% 11% in 2007 were widowed, 8% in 2014, 20% were never married in 2007, 21% in 2014. So, I think that's a really fascinating glimpse into uh, the statistics of the religion and the direction that it's moving and what the end results are of it moving in those dura- in that direction. So
1: hey, this is Adam from Connecticut. And I was just wondering what a Jehovah's Witness funeral is
0: like, and if it's just normal or what kind of stuff they talk about there. Thanks. It's a good question. Uh, generally, it's—I don't—it's been like a really long time since I've been to a, a normal funeral, honestly. So it's hard to know like what the differences are. And it's been like twenty years since I went to the a Jehovah's Witness funeral. When I was little, there was this, this kid in the congregation who's a little bit older than me. And we didn't really get along terribly well. I mean, we knew each other or whatever, but we didn't hang out or anything. Well, his father actually died when we were little kids, like 10, 11, 12 years old or something. His dad died. And I do remember going to that funeral. It was like an elder got up at the podium and talked about his life and who he was and you know what he did that were major accomplishments and of course his major accomplishments revolved around Jehovah's Witnesses it does heavily incorporate the religion into the whole process like the the elder incorporates the religion heavily into the process And that's why it's actually a really big problem for people who are outside the religion who have family members who are inside the religion. For example, I talked about this a a while back. When my mom dies, she's going to have a funeral at the Kingdom Hall. And am I going to be invited to it? I don't know. Probably not. I'm an apostate. They don't want me there. They think I'm mentally diseased and that I and being controlled by Satan right now. They don't want me anywhere near the Kingdom Hall. So chances are when my mom dies, it's going to be a big jehovah's witness fest through the whole thing talking about her amazing jehovah's witness life and her amazing accomplishments how many people she brought into the religion and uh, and all that other bs that's kind of how they differ mostly uh for the most part it is largely the exact same as a as a normal funeral they just lean real heavily on the on the religion
1: hey owen it's nico calling again from hawaii i was the guy who called in about the black Swan out a few weeks ago um, I had a syllogism that I wanted to run by you to see what you thought. Um, I understand that you're not the authority on logic, but I've been watching you for uh, about a year and a half now, and I know that you're a pretty logical person just from what I've seen in your videos. Um, so the claim is uh, in Genesis, right, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Premise one, things that don't exist can't be causes of things that exist. Premise two... The God of the Bible has never been demonstrated or proven to exist. Therefore, the conclusion is, it's unreasonable to believe. Um, The God of the Bible created the heavens and the earth. Just wanted to get your thoughts on that, if that sounds sound and reasonable to you. Um, Love to hear your thoughts. All right, man. Thanks. Appreciate
0: it. That's really interesting. I appreciate that. Let me just explain a little bit, because some people may be unfamiliar with kind of the logical form that you're taking here. A syllogism is kind of a logical argument broken into steps, like logical pieces, right? So the syllogism that you presented is broken into uh, premises and a conclusion. That's what basically what a syllogism is. So your first premise is... Uh, I'm just looking, I'm sorry, I'm looking through the transcript to find the exact wording here. Actually, let me just replay part of this.
1: Premise one, things that don't exist can't be causes.
0: Okay, so things that don't exist can't be causes. That's the first premise. Things that don't exist can't be causes. I like that premise, although I think that you should probably expand on the premise a little bit. Break it down into further premises. So I can, I can conceptualize things that don't exist exactly but cause something to exist anyways. For example, an idea can give birth to something. What you're saying here does make logical sense, but if you break it down further into more premises, then it can't be picked apart as easily. So see if maybe you can break it down into more premises. Uh, Maybe just two premises. Break that one down into two um, to try to clarify and make it as solid and sound as possible. Let's listen to the next premise.
1: Premise two, the God of the Bible has never been demonstrated or proven to exist.
0: Right. So that one, that premise right there, that is where you're going to get the most pushback. In fact, that's the one that people focus on the most is god has never been proven to exist that is that is factually correct god has never been proven to exist but when you're talking to people when you're talking to say if you're in a debate setting with like william lane craig for example he's going to just flat out deny that he's going to say well god's proven himself to me hasn't he proven himself to you and he's going to come up with all kinds of reasons why god has been proven to exist and He's going to give you the, you know, the resurrection as proof that God exists and all this other stuff. The Kalam cosmological argument, which he came up with, I believe. So that's really the thing that you have to focus on the most is debunking that. Uh, and, and it's going to be complicated. Let's listen to the next part.
1: Therefore, the conclusion is it's unreasonable to believe.
0: I, I agree with your conclusion, Um I think that your reasoning is sound, but you're going to want to break your premises down just a little bit further to kind of close up any gaps that Christians could, you know, kind of squeeze into and drive a wedge into. So uh, really solid, though, really, really interesting uh, premises and conclusion syllogism. Really interesting syllogism. I appreciate the phone call. And hopefully you continue on, and maybe I'll see you in some debates with some Christians one day. That would be pretty cool.
1: Kevin from Michigan. Owen, I was wondering if you ran into people within the Jehovah's Witnesses that were nuanced believers, meaning they were a witness but did not follow everything
0: that the governing body uh, said to a T. Okay, that, that's a really good question. The thing is, Jehovah's Witnesses want people to feel guilty for the lives that they live. They want them to be in a constant state of, what am I doing wrong, kind of mentality, right? So the, the governing body kind of sets up this system that is completely unrealistic to live up to. No Jehovah's Witness could actually live up to these standards. They can try, but they will fail. You would have to completely lock yourself into a room permanently and not eat or drink or do anything except for read magazines until the day you die, read the Bible until the day you die, to be able to live up to the Jehovah's Witnesses' standards completely. So there is... No person out there, really, who lives up to what the Governing Body says they should be doing completely, which means they live in a a state of perpetual sin, which means they always need to be coming to the Kingdom Hall to clear their conscience, basically. They constantly need to be praying and apologizing to Jehovah for what they've done wrong. Nobody is perfect. They always mess up. They don't deserve God's love. They don't deserve... The good graces of the Watchtower Society and the elders and their friends and everything else, they're perpetually in a state of sinning. So that's the kind of mentality you have. And some Jehovah's Witnesses decide to go more extreme, go on the more extreme end of it. And I actually grew up with some Jehovah's Witnesses. They were older when I was a kid. They were probably in their 50s at the time. They, One of them was a painter and was on his way to being a really famous painter. He sold one of his paintings for a lot of money. A lot of money. And he gave up art completely when he became a Jehovah's Witness. Threw his career away and became an office cleaner. Like He, he and his wife started a company together cleaning offices for people instead of doing this thing that he loved doing and could be rich doing. The more extreme you get, you would think, the less guilty you feel. But it's almost the reverse of that. The more extreme you get in the religion, the more guilty you feel almost. So really the only way to maintain sanity in a religion like Jehovah's Witnesses is to give up on trying to be the absolute perfect Jehovah's Witness and just realize that you're flawed and that you will always be flawed and there's nothing you can do to really rectify that. You just hope Jehovah forgives you in Armageddon. That's it. That's really the only way to keep your sanity. So anyway, that's what it's like to be a Jehovah's Witness, if anyone was wondering. I'll tell you what, let's take a 30-second a break. When we come back, we're going to actually be talking about the grand jury investigation into Jehovah's Witnesses. So give us 30 seconds, and we will be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. So the first article I wanted to take a look at is called Grand Jury Investigators Are Dead Serious About Revealing Sexual Abuse Cover-Ups Among Jehovah's Witnesses. This is by the Philadelphia Inquirer. Of course, the, uh, the grand jury investigators are in Pennsylvania. That's why the Philadelphia Inquirer wrote this story. So let's take a quick glance at this article and see what it has to say about the situation. Brian Chase listened carefully from his Tucson, Arizona home last July as an investigator from the Pennsylvania Attorney General's Office introduced himself over the phone. After some idle chit-chat, the investigator asked, "'Was Chase familiar with the office's 2018 Grand Jury Report?' which showed that priests had sexually abused thousands of children at six Roman Catholic uh, dioceses in Pennsylvania. Just what was in the papers, Chase responded, and what I saw on Facebook. The investigator explained that the AG, which is the Attorney General, the AG's office was now working on a similar state inquiry, this time focused on the Jehovah's Witnesses, but the agency was unsure of the scope of the sexual abuse within the often misunderstood religion, which was founded in Pittsburgh in the 1870s. Chase, 52, had been raised as a Jehovah's Witness in Cory, a small town in Erie County. In the 1980s, when he was a teenager, Chase said he was drugged by a man who belonged to his congregation. Decades would pass before Chase understood that their stories were common within witness communities across the country, but rarely reported to police. The scope, Chase told the AG's office official, is pretty big. The existence of Pennsylvania grand jury investigation into witnesses' handling of child sex abuse cases, or CSA as a lot of people call it, the first of its kind in the country, was disclosed only a week ago in a story by USA Today, which was met with a no comment from Attorney General Josh Shapiro. I actually read about this in the last podcast. If you guys haven't seen that, then you should go give it a watch. Uh, It was last week's episode. I read another article about this, I think by Trey Bundy. Anyway, my take on this whole issue is, there is child sexual abuse in society. That happens, right? I can't blame the Catholic Church for having that take place in their culture when it takes place in wider society too. I can't blame Jehovah's Witnesses for having it happen in their religion when it happens in wider society too. My issue is with the fact that they cover it up. They try to hide it. They took these priests and moved them from parish to parish to protect them from prosecution instead of turning them over to the police. That was the issue that I had with the Catholic Church over this situation. And that's the problem that I have with Jehovah's Witnesses. They're trying to cover it up. They were telling the elders not to report it to the police until they had two victims or two witnesses to the crime, things like that. That's what I have an issue with. Now it does just so happen that child sexual abuse is more common in the Catholic Church than wider society, from my understanding, by a few percentage points. And that's really weird and should raise some red flags and make you wonder why that's happening. I could speculate, but that's all it would be, speculation. So I'm not going to get hung up on it. I'm just going to say, I want to see the Catholic Church do better not try to to protect the pastors from prosecution. I want to see them put, turn people over if they know it's happening. Same with Jehovah's Witnesses. I want them to report this stuff to the police. Jehovah's Witnesses are not police officers. They are not investigators. They don't have access to forensic data. They don't have access to... They can't do DNA testing and... They're not psychologists. All of those resources are available outside of the religion if you report it to the police. And that, sh- that is what you should be doing. You shouldn't sit the victim down next to the offender in a judicial meeting and make them talk it out. That's bullshit. So that's my biggest problem with Jehovah's Witnesses. The existence of a Pennsylvania grand jury investigation into the witnesses' handling of child sex abuse cases, the first of its kind in the country, was disclosed only a week ago in a story by USA Today, which was met with a no comment from Attorney General Josh Shapiro. But the Inquirer this week interviewed five ex-witnesses who have testified for the grand jury, including Chase, and and their recollections paint a portrait of an investigation focused on shattering the wall of silence, ...that has long surrounded the religion's reclusive leaders and unearthing secretly maintained records about suspected pedophiles. In a statement released after news of the grand jury became public, witness leaders said they welcome an opportunity to explain our beliefs and practices to government officials... ...and look forward to any recommendations they may have, as well as continue to focus on educating and equipping parents to protect their children from the horrible crime of abuse. So Jehovah's Witnesses put out basically a public statement that's that kind of cookie cutter. They welcome an opportunity to explain their beliefs and practices, blah, blah, blah. But something that I learned about Jehovah's Witnesses a while back. So a lot of people view Jehovah's Witnesses as very upstanding citizens, very honest people, right? Very just nice and honest and hard workers, Even the people that come out of the religion, like even the ex-Jehovah's Witnesses, believe that the religion is generally full of honest people for the most part. In the U.S., there are laws against having cameras in courtrooms, basically, because they don't want to turn it into a public spectacle, I guess, is their whole bit. But we've been lucky enough to see Canadian and Australian court cases and things like that on camera where Jehovah's Witnesses bring their lawyers in who are members of the religion and we get to hear the arguments that the lawyers present because it it is literal lies like i, I don't mean like bending the truth or whatever i mean the governing body members get on the stand and lie knowingly claim that they never encouraged people to spank their kids, they don't believe in that, and all of this other stuff. Never discourage people from talking to outsiders, from talking to people who left the religion or whatever else. Like, outright lie. It's, it's mind-blowing to come from a religion that puts such an emphasis on telling the truth and honesty and see the leaders of it just lying like this. And now we get to see it in their press releases here too. They welcome an opportunity to explain their beliefs and practices to government officials and look forward to any recommendations they may have as we continue to focus on educating and equipping parents to protect their children from the horrible crime of abuse. It's just really, really interesting to see, like, to come out of a religion like that and realize it's just the complete polar opposite of what it claimed to be originally. "'Investigators have traveled to several states as part of the grand jury probe "'and recorded testimony from former elders, the witnesses' equivalent of parish priests, "'as well as abuse survivors. "'I can tell you firsthand, I've been up to the grand jury a couple of times now, "'and I'm testifying next week,' said Jeffrey Fritz, a Philadelphia attorney "'who represents Chase and his wife, as well as several other ex-witnesses. "'They are dead serious about going after the witnesses' leaders in any way they can,' similar to the Catholic Church. Good. I'm glad to hear that they're dead serious about this, because I am too. Because there are people being hurt right now by these horrific, fucked-up policies. So I'm dead serious about this too. Such a declaration would have seemed unthinkable for much of the past two decades, which saw a muted law enforcement response to ex-witnesses who described in the pages of court documents horrific sexual assaults they suffered as minors and the religion's ongoing efforts to hide their accounts from the public. Yeah, that's very true. They just don't want the bad publicity. That's what it's all really about. Sarah Brooks is another of Fritz's clients. When she alerted her parents in the early 2000s to the fact that she was being abused as a teenager by a family friend and relative, she was publicly shamed by an elder at her York County Kingdom Hall and then shunned by other witnesses. She twice reported the assaults to police and her abusers were ultimately arrested in 2013 and pleaded guilty to corruption of a minor. Good, I'm glad that they were caught and ultimately pleaded guilty. That's good to hear. Investigators asked her to explain the witnesses' inner hierarchy, the system of elders and overseers who ultimately take direction from members of a small governing body whose orders must be closely followed by the religion's 8 million followers, which number more than 7,000 in Philadelphia. At least three grand jury witnesses said investigators want to question governing body members who work out of the organization's sprawling headquarters in Tuxedo Park, New York, where, where they relocated several years ago after selling their former Brooklyn headquarters for more than $1 billion to a real estate company run at the time by Jared Kushner, President Donald Trump's son-in-law. I didn't know that. Uh, and I was pretty sure it was like $1.3 or $1.5 billion. I I don't, I, th- I don't think it was as low as $1 billion. I think it was at least 50% more than that. I'm completely ecstatic, Brooks said. It's all I can do to not skip everywhere. I just feel like after all of the numerous people I've gone to, I finally have gotten to a point in my life where someone is listening. It's really heartbreaking, honestly. There's only so much we can do to get people to take this seriously. It seems like they've started taking it seriously now. So that's good news. I'll just keep talking about it as much as I can. Um, And maybe we'll see some convictions or hopefully maybe some fines in the future for their bad behavior. Let's take another 30 seconds. When we come back, we're going to be talking about a pastor completely disintegrating over the fact that a gay man is running for president. So give us 30 seconds and we will be right back. The next article I wanted to take a look at is entitled Michael Brown, electing a gay married president would further ruin our society. So let's listen to what what Mr. Michael Brown has to say about how having a gay married president would further ruin our society. This one's by Beth Stoneburner on the Friendly Atheist Uh, website. When conservative writer Michael Brown comes out with a new article entitled, I will say what the political leaders can't say about Pete Buttigieg. You know it has nothing to do with the mayor's policies, even though there's plenty to critique. Brown's oh-so-courageous statement has everything to do with the fact that Buttigieg is married to a man, and that alone is enough to make Buttigieg unfit for office, according to Brown. I love the identity politics that right-wing extremists uh, engage in, right? They are ruling people out based on their identity. Absolutely love that. When they freak out about it when anyone else does it. Perhaps he'd be a more acceptable candidate to Brown if he were a thrice-married serial adulterer who paid off a porn star to keep quiet about his affair. That's a good point. That is something that Donald Trump did. I will say it nonetheless. Choosing an out-and-proud married gay man to run for president, let alone become president, would contribute to the further degeneration and moral confusion of our society, along with further attacks on our most fundamental rights. Further attacks on our most fundamental rights. What rights could possibly be attacked or taken away by allowing gay marriage? It seems like you're only adding more rights, aren't you? Like you're, you're giving people more options. Now you're not, not only are you allowed to marry a woman, you are also allowed to marry a man. What right is being taken there? You're only be- being given more rights. Really, really bizarre take. If your morality is confused by the mere existence of a monogamous gay man, he's not the problem. Your morality is. Yeah, that's a fair point. Brown eventually addressed the elephant in the room that is Donald Trump by saying Trump was no angel, but at least he didn't shove it in our faces. No, he doesn't shove it in our faces. I'm sorry. I, I, are we talking about the same Donald Trump? This is a quote. President Trump is not flaunting his past immorality, nor is he pushing it presently. Instead, when the ugly tape of his lewd comments went public, he said, I've never said I'm a perfect person. Actually, I think he has. Maybe not, but I'm pretty sure the dude has said that exact line. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, tell me in the comments. Instead, when that ugly tape of his lewd comments went public, he said, I've never said I'm a perfect person, nor pretended to be someone that I'm not. I've said and done things I regret, And the words released today on this more than a decade-old video are one of them. Anyone who knows me knows these words don't reflect who I am. I said it, I was wrong, and I apologize. I pledge to be a better man tomorrow and will never, ever let you down. Sorry, bud, you let let me down. In stark contrast, Mayor Pete has talked about how his homosexual relationship to his husband, quote-unquote, Chasen, is is that Pete's husband's name, Chasen? Chasen has brought him closer to God. He has kissed his partner at public rallies. He's pushing his homosexuality, not apologizing for it. What a monster. Can you believe this? Buttigieg has been talking about his relationship on television since his campaign began. It hasn't made a single person gay because it's not how being gay works. That's true. Um, I mean, he has been talking about it since day one but I don't feel like he talks about it all that often. Like, I, I've heard him mention it in some debates. I've heard him talk about it a couple of times. Uh, he's never tried to hide it by any means. But he he isn't rubbing it in anyone's face, really. Beth Stoneburner, the writer of this article, makes a really good point here. It hasn't made a single person gay because that's not how being gay works. Yeah, it's very true. I'll, get, I'll tell you this. If you worry that hearing a gay man speak or hearing somebody talk about being gay might turn you gay. You might just be gay. That's possible. Because personally, I have no desire or interest to be in a relationship with a dude. It's just not in me. The opportunity is in my life. I'm in the atheist community. I mean, lots and lots of LGBTQ people here. I could... Be in a gay relationship if I wanted to. You should see my comments section. I get people all the time telling me how hot I am. 99% of it is dudes. I could be gay if I want, but guess what? I'm just not. I'm just not gay. The opportunity is here. It's just not who I am. Living in fear that a gay dude is talking about the fact that he's gay, living in fear about that turning other people gay is... Just new levels of stupid to me. Somehow, though, a speech written for Trump, which he read from a teleprompter, is supposed to dismiss all the misogyny, cruelty, racism, immaturity, and ignorance. If Trump isn't flaunting his past, then he has gone out of his way to make sure no one finds out about it, i.e. hush money payments. That's true which frankly is almost worse. We can go even further and say that Buttigieg shows more affection for his husband in public than Trump or his spouse ever do. That—that That is true too. They, they have a kind of an odd relationship, don't they? If you're looking for a model relationship, it's hard to make the case for Trump. Not that Brown cares. He's still trashing Buttigieg you better believe that he will do everything in his power to normalize homosexual relationships even more in the eyes of America. He will also do his best to marginalize those who are convinced that these relationships are contrary to the will of God. People are gay, whether you like that fact or not. Making gay people's lives harder isn't making them not gay. They're still gay, whether you like that or not. That's just what it is. You are just putting people through emotional torture is what you're doing. And I will absolutely not stand for it. Just the fact that Pete Buttigieg, a gay dude, is running for president at all, even though I don't want the guy to win because I don't believe in his policies and I think he's a kind of a corporate shill a little bit, but... The mere fact that he's running and bringing attention to this issue is a good thing, and I'm glad to see it. It's like Andrew Yang had some interesting ideas that I really liked. I didn't like Yang. I felt like a lot of his ideas uh, that he espoused did not match the policies that he had on paper. He talked about being for Medicare for all, but on paper, he had a completely different health care plan weirdly either way that's neither here nor there the point is i was glad that yang was running and talking about universal basic income i was glad that he was raising awareness to that issue and and bringing attention to it and moving the overton window in that direction even though i don't think i wanted yang i'm glad that he ran anyways now i it's the same with buddha judge I don't want Buttigieg to win. I don't like him, but I'm glad that he's running. I'm glad that he's out there talking about the issues that he's talking about, despite that fact. And honestly, I'd be okay with him if he did win. I'd be all right. I would still vote for him, I think, probably. He's way more corporate than I'm comfortable with, but I would still vote for him, so. When we come back, we're going to be talking about a Ten Commandments monument going up in Hamilton County, Texas, and the legal fallout from that. So give us 30 seconds, and we will be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. the next article I wanted to take a look at is on the Friendly Atheist blog. This one's by Hemant Mehta. It's entitled, Ten Commandments Monument Goes Up in Hamilton County, Texas, but not at a courthouse. So let's give the article a read and see what it has to say. Last July, I posted about how the commissioners in Hamilton County, Texas thought it'd be a great idea to install a standalone Ten Commandments monument outside the local courthouse, despite a very clear Supreme Court ruling that said that very thing was an illegal promotion of christianity i was shocked then to see a headline yesterday reading hamilton county installs ten commandments monument dot 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 until i realized what was actually going on here's a quote from the uh from the article johnny klepper beamed as he helped install what he hopes will become a lasting legacy he originally proposed a ten commandments monument for the hamilton county courthouse but settled on donated land next to the sheriff's department to end the community debate. So instead of placing an 8,000-pound monument at the courthouse, it's on private land nearby. Fine. That's fine. It's still a dumb list. Just look at the first four commandments, but there's no longer a question of legality, which makes you wonder why they didn't choose this option first. Yeah, that's a really good point. Why didn't they pick that option first? 8,000-pound monument. Holy hell. That is a huge—I think my car is only 4,000 pounds. That is massive. Just out of curiosity, I wanted to take a look at the Ten Commandments. Let's take a look at the Ten Commandments and see what they are because it's been a hot minute since I've been in this section of the Bible. Let's just take a quick gander here commandment number one i am the lord thy god oh this is uh this is king james version i can tell by the thys and the these and the thous i am the lord thy god thou shalt not have any strange gods before me okay first of all that's really interesting to me if there aren't any other gods why specify that you're not allowed to worship any other gods kind of weird okay let's just continue Commandment number two, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. So you're you're not allowed to blaspheme. Is that really a big, like, that seems like a major free speech issue. You're not allowed to say something. God is actually censoring free speech. I think it's really fascinating to me that these Christian evangelical nutcases are, like, so extremely, like, rabidly, quote-unquote, pro-First Amendment, pro-free speech, but the book that they follow and model their life after is anti-free speech and free expression. Let's just continue. Number three, remember to keep holy the Sabbath day. Okay. I don't really see a logical reason for that one, but whatever. Number four, honor thy father and mother. This is a law? This commandment obliges the faithful to show respect for their parents as children and adults. Children must obey their parents, and adults must respect and see to the care of their parents when they become old and infirm. Okay, number five, thou shalt not kill. Okay, that's a law that I can get on board with. Number six, thou shalt not commit adultery. I can't agree with it from this point. You're not allowed to commit adultery. You're not allowed to sleep with who you want to sleep with. That, you're limiting people's freedom at this point. Uh, that's an issue for me. Thou shalt not steal. Back on board. Love it. Yes. Let's have more laws like that. Number eight. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Mm, okay. Perjury. I, I'm on board still. You're not allowed to perjure. Uh, lie under oath or whatever. Although that's not what this is saying exactly. This is saying you're not allowed to lie. Uh, so still kind of a, you know, a freedom of expression and a freedom of speech issue here. But, you know, if we're talking perjury, lying under oath, then I'm on board. Number nine, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. Isn't covetousness kind of the basis for capitalist economy in the first place? Don't you, doesn't a capitalist economy work in the first place because you want what other people have you go to a job to make money so that you can buy things that other people have so you can buy things from other people it seems like this one right here thou uh, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife and thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods it seems to me like those two right there are dismantling capitalism completely and if you want to really follow the bible then you should be socialist or communist if you're not socialist or communist i feel like you're not living up to the spirit of the word really so give that some thought omega riley ten dollars go buy yourself a chicken sandwich on me t-dog i appreciate that omega riley i will do that i will buy a chicken sandwich now, i gotta decide where to get aforementioned chicken sandwich from uh where do i get a chicken sandwich from that's not chick-fil-a let me see you know what, Burger King has chicken sandwiches. I think I'll get an original chicken sandwich. So I appreciate that, Omega Riley, that is awesome. The Gaytheist, we want a gay president but not Pete. 100% agree. Uh, I-, I am actually anti-identity politics. I don't feel like his identity matters in the least bit. I am glad that he's running, at the very least, getting you know publicity for that issue, for that one specific type of thing. Uh, for that social issue. I'm glad he's bringing attention to that social issue. I don't want him to win. I wish Bernie Sanders was gay, that would be awesome. That would be like the ideal situation, right? That's who I'm voting for is Bernie Sanders, for sure. Thank you for the super chat on that, I appreciate it. Sucky Sucky, $2, the POTUS can't be gay, it sends the wrong message. What's the wrong message? David Rojas, $1.99, Bernie 2020, 100% Bernie 2020. Yes, I'm behind you on that one. I read that last one before moving on. Optimistic Nihilist, $5 with no message. Thank you, Optimistic Nihilist. I appreciate that. But Sucky Sucky sent a $2 super chat. Probably My guess is they're probably a YouTube premium subscriber so they can send a free $2 super chat uh, maybe once a month or once a week or something like that. If you have YouTube Premium, you can send free $2 Super Chats, so keep that in mind. Any YouTube Premium subscribers in my audience right now should use that if you have the opportunity. But I wanted to scroll up and look at this message from Sucky Sucky. Just trying to find out if anybody addressed it. I guess not, not really. Everybody just kind of ignored Sucky Sucky because that's kind of a stupid bullshit thing to say. Omega Riley. I have premium, but I don't know how to do that. $2. Thank you for the $2 super chat. Um, I think it's automatic. I, I don't really know how it works. I have premium also. Uh, I'm, I am unclear about how it works, but I assumed it was automatic. You get like one per month or something like that. But anyway, thank you again for that super chat. I appreciate it. Tell you what, that's where we're going to end it for the for the night. Thank you guys for coming on and giving this a listen, and I will talk to you next week.